Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're going on six months into this pandemic, and yesterday I was thinking about after the pandemic, it's going to actually feel really good to kind of just move around and go someplace new. But then at the same time, I actually started to get anxious. Like, I don't think if I don't think I would ever feel comfortable going to a concert or playing or, you know, being within six feet of other people, because this pandemic has really kind of given me and I think some other people that I've been talking to, like a PTSD, like coronavirus PTSD, like All we know is what it was before. We don't know anything different. And now that we're in this new normal, I don't know if I would feel comfortable going back to doing activities where I might get sick. And I was kind of surprised because I really thought that I've been doing okay. I've been doing really well dealing with sheltering at home and just dealing with, you know, the the day-to-day news cycle where really anything can pop up and it it's, has been a little bit stressful, but I really have felt okay. But when I started to think about like, oh, like what, what are things going to be like next year? I got anxious and I think it was partly because we've been in this for so long. I don't know what normal, I know what normal is, but I don't really feel that I would be okay going back to that. But then at the same time, I also don't know what the future holds. And to be quite honest, the present kind of scares me as well. So I guess that was something I hadn't really been able to vocalize to anyone, but my body and my brain definitely let me know that it's something that I need to pay attention to and think about more. I just want to drop it hello. Taking care of our minds is just as important as taking care of our bodies. But how do you even start that journey? Think of Imani State of Mind as your beacon of sanity on your path to getting your mind right. We're in this together, y'all. Let's get into an Imani State of Mind. Welcome to Imani State of Minds. Cam, how have you been doing this week? Listen, this week <laughs> I already was, know, ve- bitch. <laughs> was very rough on me. It was very rough, and maybe I'll get into parts of it, not the whole thing, because everybody, I don't want to, I don't want everyone to have anxiety that listens to the show. But um, this week was a rough one for me, and um, I don't know whether it'd be if it was COVID time or not, if it would be any better. But um, I like this uh, topic of the new normal because I hate that t- that term, the new normal. I'm I'm kind of like say new normal again and see what mm-hmm. happens. But um, <laughs> I I think that it's definitely worth talking about because. We're all going through it, whether we're handling it well or whether we're not. It doesn't matter. It's still happening. Yeah, I am. Um, I talked about this um, at the top of the show, but I did read something or I was watching something where um, I think it was a therapist was talking about how we all have PTSD, like COVID PTSD. And it's mainly because we had this system. Everybody was basically able to say, okay, I got to wake up at this time. I'll be at work at this time. I'm going to eat this today. I'm going to do that. And then all of a sudden it was like the chair got pulled out from all of us collectively. And we weren't expecting any of this. We weren't in control. We weren't uh, you know, able to make decisions as far as whether we could shelter in place or not. And when that happens, anxiety is obviously going to, um, going to follow. But also I think, you know, I've been having like really kind of strange dreams. Oh, this is when I knew like COVID was real and this was a new normal. I had a dream that I was like at a concert or like in a club or something. And I was freaking out because not everybody was wearing masks. Like that's how like I knew that like, okay, you know what? Like this is like my brain, my mind has finally accepted. Like this is what it's going to be. So the the mask wearing has entered your subconscious. Yes. Yes. Terrible. I haven't had that yet. I still refuse to accept masks deep down in my the pit of my soul. But say new normal again, bitch. But <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Like, I actually am kind of happy 
that we're going to be wearing masks for a while because I really don't like getting flu shots. I don't really like getting shots of any kind. Um, and now that we all have to wear masks, like I'm really, I'm really interested to see, like, are we going to be able to, you know, get as sick as we used to, like with the like common cold or like the flu or anything like that? That is a good question, but I hate mm. these masks. I, I'm, I just, it's so, especially if, if you're in hot weather and you wear the mask, it's like death. It feels like I'm dying and I'm a big bitch as it is. So like, you know, I'm huffing and puffing and the mask makes it like 10 times worse. That's all. Right. I mean, but at the same time, like, I just think maybe you need to find like the best mask for you. Like I, I have the black kind of paper ones and they're cute. And I can actually like, I just went hiking and I had one on and I was, I was okay. No. All Don't right, lie. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, listen, we're having to do these behaviors that we've never had to do before. When it first started, I was kind of like, oh, yes, forced to stay home because mm-hmm. you're, work- I mean, as a mom and producer and working and all these things, you're running yourself ragged. So you're like, right. mm, forced to stay home. How bad could yeah. this be? And then you're like, week three and a half, you're like, I don't mm-hmm. know how much longer I could do this. And now we're at what, month six? And yeah. I'm like, what are you looking at? Don't look at right. me. What when you when you get boxes in the mail like what do you do with them like do they sit like do they do you quarantine your boxes no not anymore I did it first I was like mm-hmm. sit them outside for twenty four hours but now I'm like open that shit and right. at this point I don't want to say I have a little bit of a like if I get it I get it I hope I don't die but if I die no. that's God's will I mean I don't no, know what to no, say no uh-uh, no no because listen no. I can't not I can't not do what I need to do in life. I I mean, I will stay six feet apart or more Mm -hmm. if possible. I will wear the mask, but I, I, I did have to, I went to see my dad in Oregon. I went on a road trip. I went in the hotel room. Did I bring wipes with me and I wiped everything down? Yeah, but I would do that anyway because people are gross. So... (laughs) Well, okay, yes. But I think, if anything, this is kind of shed light on how gross people really kind of yes. can be. And how yeah. come no one washes their motherfucking hands? I don't know. I'm like, you and your little dirty fingers touching everything, making people sick. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really just, disturbing. No, people are kind of gross, if we're being completely honest. Listen, I, see, I used to see people's butthole every day. So, I mean, <laughs> and poop. So... <laughs> It doesn't get any grosser oh than that, but, you know, <laughs> apparently right. America got me, you know, they, right. or the world got me. Good. I think we're all grieving our old lives and we're going through the stages of grief right now. Mm-hmm. And we're we're ba- basically we're definitely yearning for some stability. We're yearning for the old normal. Is that better, Cam? The old normal, not the new normal. Say new normal again, ho. Okay, fine. All right. But, and, you know, we talked about the stages of grief uh, a few episodes ago, but let's just do a quick refresher. Yeah, we should run through them. So there's denial. Uh, pain and guilt is very free, uh, very common, excuse me. Anger and bargaining. Depression. Then you get kind of an upward turn. You get reconstruction and then working through maybe, maybe it means that you're going back towards some of the previous, um, the previous stages, stages of grief. And then eventually, if you're, you know, if you're really like lucky and you did the work, um, there's acceptance and then your hope kind of comes back. I definitely will say that like, I'm a hopeful person, but. Like, just like you were saying, like, yo, people are nasty. Like, this was legitimately something that could have been better managed. Granted, we need we needed like a lot of government assistance. But just in terms of like, yo, we like wash your hands, wash your hands, stop being in people's faces, stop, you know, drinking after other people. But, you know, I'm I've accepted where we are. But my my levels of hope, like my levels of motivation are kind of low right now for being completely honest. Uh, after this week I just had, I don't, I'm very low on hope. Uh, I am, I'm full of anger. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not even in bargaining right now because I'm just right. angry <laughs> about my life <laughs> over the past six days. So I'm really looking forward to the end stage of acceptance and hope. And um, I, where do you think you are now, though? I, I think I'm back. I was further along and then this move and my, I think we should re-term Murphy's Law into Cameron's Law because <laughs> okay. everything that went wrong did. So mm-hmm. um, it definitely 
pushed me back to the anger and bargaining, like, Lord, if you just let me get through this and get settled in my new home, I swear I will shower every day. I mean, whatever, oh <laughs> whatever I you need to what? do. You know what? We talk about people that wash their hands. No, I wash, like, my, I wash hair. my hands, just not my body every day. No, it's not my hair. I wash my body. It's not my hair because that is a lot to do. There's a lot so of hair just, up in here. So, oh my God. so you're just up here taking whole baths? Don't knock it. Okay. You know what? I don't, I'm not about that life. (laughs) So, I mean, but honestly, for me and for you, it's okay that we're feeling grief and it's okay if, you know, other people, any of you listeners out there are also feeling grief from the stages of grieving. Some of us have even lost, you know, loved ones to COVID, but grief isn't just about losing people. It's also grief can really take on, um, a life of its own, especially when you're not necessarily grieving people, but you're grieving like a a way of life when you're grieving like your freedom or what you consider your freedom to be. Um, like I, I, I see my parents pretty frequently, um, but I do miss seeing some of my friends who are in the same city, but because I haven't been around them this whole time, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little bit apprehensive about actually like, oh, like let's have lunch or you should come over or something. Uh huh. One of the things that has been really kind of interesting to me to see is that I feel like people's trust in larger institutions like government or medicine is really just being compromised right now because we're getting a lot of different opinions. If I open up my news app, you know, every day, it's like a lot of the uh, headlines are kind of are there. They're speculative like this may happen or this can happen. I'm like, you know what, when y'all know what's really going on, like, let, let me know until then. I don't want for you to hypothesize things because that can really increase my anxiety too. And honestly, this is the only way of life that I've ever known. I've been grinding hard for probably the past like 17 years, just, you know, training and being a doctor and seeing patients. And now I'm kind of like, oh, so I guess we all have to like take a break and listen, like, just like, I think I told you this after I had my surgery a couple of years ago, my plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. being in the house and not being able to move around and just, you know, having to sit in my thoughts all day. Like I really went through like this like metamorphosis. Like I was like, I am so depressed and oh God, I'm so sorry that I ran over the guy, that guy's foot when I was 19. And it there was just all these things that I had to kind of get through. Um, and honestly, that's the only way of life that, that I've ever known that we've all collectively ever known. So this is, that can also be a bit of a, a shock. Like, oh, it's it, like, I think you asked me earlier, like, is it Tuesday? I was like, yes, yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> I did. Literally, I texted <laughs> like, you. I'm like, it's Tuesday, right? And you're like, yes. I'm like, okay, okay. Exactly. So, you know, when we had started the shelter in place, I was happy that we had to like basically throw our schedules in the trash. But then when was it for you? It was about week four for me where I was like, oh, this is not, I don't know if I like this anymore. It kind of feels like the same record Groundhog Day over Mm. and over. I know. In the beginning, I was like, okay, let me just get a feel for how this is going to be. And I definitely think, though, by like, yeah, like week four, I was like, okay, we have to create a schedule. We got to create a schedule. I'm like, we're going to do this, that, and a third. I did include cocktail hour, which doesn't have, didn't have to necessarily deal with like the consumption of liquor, but just like, oh, let's have some appetizers. Like I tried to basically recreate the outside world in my house. Oh, (laughs) but you have shuffleboard on the Lido deck too? No, I did not. See, I did not. There was no shuffleboarding. There was no shuffleboarding. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, at some point I was like, okay, no more wine for breakfast. Right. And um, do not buy salt and vinegar potato chips anymore. Yeah. I recently went through a donut um, pandemic of my own. Um, (laughs) I just was like, it's just a phase. Yeah. It's still a phase you're going through. I was just, I was hard in these streets about these donuts, but I think. Where? What kind of donuts? Just don't leave me hanging. Glazed. No, you're an ill. First of all, there's only one true donut. That's the glazed donut or the twisty kind of donut. Secondly, I do not like donuts that have like filling. Yeah, like I don't like biting into jelly donuts and then like the stuff just like comes. Like I feel like the donut needs to ask me consent before I eat it. Like it's just it's a lot. Like I'm I'm not really I'm not into. How about just don't eat? I don't eat donuts. 
I love donuts. Um, <laughs> having a schedule and having a routine can definitely help us to just feel calmer, less anxious. It, it lets us feel like we're more in control of our situation. It can help you decrease your fight or flight or like sympathetic nervous system type of type of instincts. And while we're all desperate to have some type of predictability in our lives again, we don't know when that's ever going to be. And I think it's when we get to the new normal, <gasps> then I know. Okay, just wait, wait, wait. When we get back to the new normal, it's probably going to be a mixture of what we were used to and what we're dealing with now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I, I want to be like, yeah, I'm going to go to stagecoach next year. And then I'm like, oh, wait, but there's going to be people there. Right, Exactly. I think one of the other things that has been kind of interesting is, you know, I'm I'm not agoraphobic. I actually believe that my grandmother used to have agoraphobia. Um, Mine too. My grand, my mother's mother did. Yeah, she just like my grandmother. She just would not leave the house. She when we lived in New York and had a brownstone. She the furthest she would go is at the top of the stoop. So she would open the door and then sit, you know, on the side, um, little kind of like banister. Um, but she would be like, you know what? And we're like kids, like five, six, seven. She's like, okay, I need for you guys to go to the butcher shop for. Me. I need you guys to go to the grocery store for me. Now, it was fun, but but that's she, how it went then. It, I mean, it right? Did, it did, but at the same time, I didn't really think about like, oh, like I think my grandma is like is agoraphobic. No, she's just the stairs are lava. That's all. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, I love the floors lava on Netflix. That show is, is crazy. <laughs> but it's horrible. One of the things that I definitely knew that my grandmother had was anxiety, because um, it does run in my family. And speaking of agoraphobia, it actually is a it's kind of an anxiety disorder because it the person who has agoraphobia or people that have agoraphobia, you fear like situations that you can't control because you may feel trapped or helpless or embarrassed. And then you start to panic because you don't have... I guess, like ultimate control over your situation. So this can happen in open spaces. It can happen, you know, on the subway or the bus, a public transportation, shopping centers, standing in line, being in a crowd, like at a concert, or just really like being out of your home, like physically just being outside of the structure of your house. So do you think we're all going to become agoraphobic after this pandemic? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't. I think some will. I, I think, think some, some people will. will. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that it, it would make sense that people would because, I mean, the like you were talking about like, uh, that we are getting a lot of different voices in media. Like essentially you can find an, you can find any number of news stories to agree with how, you know, you might be feeling, especially because we don't always get the most accurate information. So I do think that there are just going to be people who are always going to be like, you know what, like as long as I can get my groceries delivered, as long as, you know, I can just uh, like, I'll get a treadmill, I'll walk in the house. I don't want to go outside because do you kind of remember in the beginning, it was kind of like the message that we were receiving was like, the air is poisonous. You can't go outside. Yeah. And I was like, you can go outside. It was like the mist with Mark Wahlberg. Like we were all going to turn real quick if we went outside and breathe the air. And then like, I was going to like just kill everyone. 
<laughs> you are so stupid. But, you know, knowing someone who was agoraphobic, my grandmother, mm-hmm. and the panic that they feel uh, that comes from being afraid, it's it, it really makes them feel anxious because they feel like they can't escape. So most people who have agoraphobia develop it after having panic attacks, which is very interesting because I had a panic attack of sorts last night. And that makes them worry about having another attack. And then they just start avoiding places where it could happen again to the point where they may just avoid leaving the house. Just leaving the house, like period. So, But you could still have a panic attack in your own home. Yeah, but this isn't logic. It's mental illness. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't always make sense. I guess that's true. My mom had a panic attack at Home Goods. I'm like, this is our favorite place in like the entire world. <laughs> How are you having a panic attack in Home Goods right now? She goes, I don't know. I just can't calm down. I need a Xanax immediately. Mm-hmm. No, that's how I felt last night. I was chilling. I was asleep. I was like, ah. And then I woke up like, oh, my God. And it took me a good like 30 minutes to just like, you know, calm myself back down. So, I mean, I I do understand very deeply how someone could become agoraphobic because it's just like, let me just let me just stay in the house. I don't even have to deal with anything else. Anything that's possibly like a variable. I mean, as somebody who has anxiety, I have always been the person who, like when I used to live in New York, for example, I wouldn't walk down 42nd Street. I'd walk down 40th Street or 45th Street because there were too many people. Oh, yeah. There was like, I don't like if I had to be in Midtown, it was like, let me figure out the calmest way and the less populous route to take so I don't have to deal with being in too many people. Likewise, again, when I lived in New York, I used to take, when I used to take the subway, I used to either be in the back car or the front car because I don't, I just didn't want to be around too many people. And I always need to know where the exit is. I can't imagine taking the subway now. It would, I don't think I could get on it. I would be like, ah, I'm going to die. I mean, it would be really hard mentally mm-hmm. to do that. So no, it's true. Well, if someone's worried they're becoming agoraphobic, what's something they can do right now to cope? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think that, you know, the first thing to do for someone who might be really being fearful and anxious of being out in the open or being outside is to just admit that they have an issue. Like, don't rationalize it. If you have the symptoms, you have the symptoms, right? And then I think it would probably be a good idea to just talk to people that you trust, people that you know won't, you know, try to ridicule you or be like, oh, girl, you just need to walk that off. Everybody's having a bad time that day because that's really not the way to respond to someone who's having like, you know, mental mental illness symptoms. Um, and I also think that it could really be helpful, especially now that we're in the age of telemedicine, everything, because we can't really, you know, be in the same room with people all the time. I think it would be a good idea to to talk to a doctor about it. Like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I think any doctor, um, not just psychiatrists, but I think even especially like internists or family practitioners would be able to kind of tease out, okay, are you having anxiety? Are you having panic anxiety? Has it now progressed to agoraphobia? So I think that when it comes to these times, I do enjoy the fact that people are trying to stay connected. They're trying to um, to talk to their friends and talk to their family. And, you know, people have Zoom happy hours and all of that. So I think that talking your feeling, like getting your feelings outside of your body is actually a very useful exercise. It, it really does help with anxiety as well. And if people have noticed that their friend or family member may be struggling with worsening anxiety or agoraphobia, you know, I think that especially because we're all kind of in the same boat right now. I think that it's kind of easier to talk about these these feelings of anxiety and agoraphobia as opposed to before, because if you're agoraphobic, it's really kind of, it, I've had people tell me that it's almost kind of embarrassing for them to admit. It's like, oh, so you're afraid of people. Oh, okay. Like, how's, how's that working out for you? Right. And so now that we're all kind of in the same boat, um, we're all in the same gang. Um, I think that it's it's going to be easier to bring up the conversation of like, you know what, I've been having some anxiety too, or I understand if you are having anxiety. So, you know, let's talk about it. And maybe, you know, we can look up or you can look up like resources or, you know, a doctor you can talk to or a clinic you can go to, because this is really, what's happening right now is really a generation defining uh, moment. 
So I don't, you know, I don't know if like, you know, let's, I, I think actually maybe because of this, like, I feel like the, the, the marriage rate has gone down too. What, that people don't want to get married? Yeah. Well, I listen. Too late for me. But anyways, <laughs> I think you brought up something interesting about telemedicine because mm-hmm. maybe people are afraid to go to the doctor or they're afraid to go and seek help for mental health issues because they're afraid to actually physically go and do it. And now you're, we're in a point which is very interesting. And actually, I like this part of the pandemic that you can have access to help at your fingertips and mm-hmm. you can access help from your bedroom, from your closet, wherever it is that you feel safe and Get it done. Get that help you need and take that step because it's easier to take the step now than it is to actually go there, sign up, hit the button, sit in that uncomfortable chair, look at the person, vomit your life story up, and then wait for them to tell you what they're going to say. It's just, it's easier now. So I want to encourage people to really act on it because we've never had a time where telemedicine was like this. And that part, Mm -hmm. I think it's really, that part's a great, great thing. No, I think, I mean, I, I, I will freely admit that I think it's great. I mean, really, it's 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 the only way that I see patients now. Like, like I'm like, I'm sorry, I cannot be in the hospital. I can't be at these facilities. Like, some of y'all came from a lot of y'all came from jail. I I can't risk it. So, yes, I agree with you. I I do like the fact that you can even open like your insurance app, and you can like find a doctor through that. So that that's pretty cool. Um. Oh, you know what? So here's a question for you, Cam. Mm-hmm. So your daughter, uh, we have kids. I have a son, you have a daughter, and they're both the same age. Mm-hmm. What's what's your take on s- school? Like, dis- are you a, more of a distance learner? Like, are you, you know, more so, you know, wanting for Lily to learn remotely? Or, you know, is, has she been like, oh, you know, I got to get out of here. Like, I got to, I just need to socialize with people. Uh, Lily is technically a homebody in, and we've done homeschool before. I'm a homeschooler. Not all the time, but I've done it for a few uh, semesters, like finishing a year if she wasn't liking her teachers, stuff like that. We've done it a few times. So we were not um, unfamiliar with virtual learning, which I think gave Lily a leg up. She was very easy to conform to this whole new type of learning But I do think she's missing the social, especially now that we moved and she's in a new district. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish she could go to school so she could start making her network and her roots and her friends and her her little, you know, gang and whatever. And um, I think that part I miss for her and I feel bad for her. I also feel bad that these kids aren't moving as much. I'm like, girl, go, go move. She's like, what do you want me to move to? I'm like, just just walk in place. I don't care. Jump around, jump up, jump up and get down something. I mean, do (laughs) something. And she's like, you do something. And I'm like, I don't have to do something if I don't want to. She's like, well, then me neither. I'm like, oh God, give me strength load. (laughs) I mean, I feel like my son is, is actually, it's not ideal for him because he really does miss his friends. But, you know, I, I do, I can only imagine what it would be like to be a, a, a kid these days. And, you know, everyone will ask you like, oh, what do you want to do, do when you grow up? And there's always this, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to have happen to you when you're older? And, you know, it's it's really been difficult and it's going to be difficult for people for a while because we really can't plan for the future. Like, it's almost September and I'm like, oh, okay. So basically what you're telling me is Christmas is like months away. Okay. So, you know, are we going to do anything for Christmas? No, because we're going to be stuck in the house. But that being Don't said- Don't say that. I want to go to Hawaii. I've never been and I want to go for Christmas. So let's just, you, let's just okay. try. Let's just try. Okay. I'll just, I'll cross my fingers yeah. and my toes. Say a little prayer. But, you know, not being able to plan for the future- can really lead to people feeling hopeless. And that's there's actually a clinical term for that, and it's called malaise, right? So malaise is a symptom um, 
yeah, I would say it's a symptom of people who are very depressed. And when you felt depressed for so long, it's hard to get motivated. Now, I'm not depressed, but I will attest to the fact that like, it has been kind of hard for me to get motivated. Like, I want to lay down, but then I'm like, I do this all the time. And then it's like, I want to watch movies or Netflix, but I'm like, I already saw everything that I wanted to see. It's just a state of like, blah, right? So the thing about malaise is that when you kind of leave it to go unchecked, or you're just not able to do anything else different, like how we are right now, it's you start to kind of feel like it's a part of you, like a part of your identity or a part of your personality. And when you are not able to have motivation you, you and you can't plan for the future, it's, it's hard to really see past the current situation that you're in. So um, imagining your future and having goals is a really important way to connect with yourself and make you feel good about yourself. But I think it's been very difficult to do that because I think that we've all kind of collectively just feel like stagnant, like we're all just stuck in place. There's actually a study from the British Psychological Society, and they found that not being able to imagine the future and having negative beliefs about the future can drive depression. And there's actually a term in psychiatry when it when it comes to depression, like some you want to make sure that someone is goal-oriented and future-oriented. And it's hard for us to be future-oriented because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I think honestly, when it comes to malaise, because malaise can be a symptom of depression or I guess like a byproduct of feeling depressed, I think that it's really important for people to accept that and seek help. Just because someone's having, you know, uh, mental health symptoms doesn't mean that they're not just as scarred as someone who's physically ill. So I would, I would definitely seek out a doctor. I would definitely try to make use of any uh, telemedicine or telepsychiatry services that you have in your area. So I, I just have a question. Sure. Would you compare malaise to like, I, I guess it's not compare. If you had malaise and you, if I consider it like a kind of like a black hole, right? Like a little mm-hmm. black hole in your in your soul or your heart or wherever in your brain. I don't care where you want to put it in your butthole. I don't care. But if you didn't treat it, would it get bigger and bigger and bigger until you're like so depressed you just don't even give a fuck about anything anymore, or it's just kind of there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I think that, I mean, it depends on the person, but yeah, it, it can definitely develop and blossom into other symptoms that are that are consistent with depression. And then, you know, you kind of wake up one day and you're like, oh, shit, I guess I'm depressed. Like, I don't feel like doing anything at all. Like, I just a bump on a log. I mean, I definitely felt that when I started talking to you about how I felt. I didn't feel horrible, but I didn't feel good. I felt like, you know how like the Claritin fuzzy before they rip off the the clear, before your Claritin clear? Oh, yeah. That's how (laughs) I felt all day. Like, I just felt like my flame was on low instead of high all the time. And I just kind of was like, eh. Whatever. I don't even. I just felt no zest. I kept telling you I have no zest. Is that you did say that? Was that malaise? Yeah, that was malaise. Got it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, malaise having malaise and having low motivation are they're they're pretty similar. I would say they're they're almost synonymous. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I have been Claritin clear since February, <laughs> or rather Prozac clear since February. <laughs> um, I really haven't felt that gray Instagram filter like come over my life. I have for the um, past five, six days. And I've yeah. also not taken my Prozac because I don't know what box it is. Girl, in. see. Um, what will happen to me going back on it? Do I have to go through the whole like breaking in process? Uh, what like physically? Um, yeah, I mean... The thing about Prozac, and this is just an aside, it, it's the the half life is fourteen days. Oh, okay. So, so I'm still, yes. I'm still got it in me. Yeah, but you also still you have to kind of titrate yourself back up, basically. Just don't take the whole bottle at once. No. Okay. 
Good I advice. mean, but you knew that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah. these, these these past six days have tested my everything, but, you know, no, I won't take the whole bottle. So if we're getting back to grief, because I took us on a little tangent, as usual, um, do you have any advice for people grieving their old lives and their old normal? Sure. I think the first step is to just admit to yourself that you feel sad. Like, it's... I think that's something that I have definitely been guilty of just in terms of, well, I don't feel that good. It's like, are you depressed? No, I'm not depressed. I'm just going through something right now. And it's like, bitch, you go through, you've been going through something for years. Like what on earth are you even talking about? Um, But I think you have to like, you know, just like, uh, what do they say? It's like admitting that you're a fill in the blank alcoholic or whatever is the first step. I think, you know, that's the first step for most people out here. Like, yes, you are feeling sad and it's okay to own that. It's okay to just say, you know what? Like, I don't feel good. Yeah. I think the other thing is to really let yourself feel joy and gratitude like don't don't feel guilty about that now i can talk about this extensively because i oftentimes when i was depressed would make myself feel guilty about like i mean just fucking anything anything like oh well um my son said that he wanted wings but the place closed and oh i got busy doing something and now it's my fault that he can't have his buffalo wings the way that he wants just like dumb things like that <laughs> And I think that um, it's it. one of the things that I've noticed that I've been better able to do these days is to really be very grateful for the things that I have. I mean, I'm grateful that I haven't gotten sick. I'm grateful for, you know, that there's more animal life in my backyard. Like, I'm just really grateful for, like, anything and everything because it's easy for me to get into, you know, a, a, a pit of despair. And, and I want to make sure that I'm not sliding down that slippery slope, right? So I'm grieving. You're grieving. I'm grieving. I'm grieving the whole food salad bar. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> You're grieving the whole food salad bar? I am. And the deli air, you know, like any of the self-service things. Oh, I know, right? Oh, listen, the whole food salad bar. I know. Girl. That, oh my God. They had this kale like, salad. Listen. It's very sad. I miss it's it. It's very sad. I miss getting samples at the farmer's market. Like I went there for the first time, like with like after COVID. And I was like, oh, can I have a sample? He was like, no. <laughs> He's I like, what? Like, uh, no sample? I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, I do have this mask on. My bad. <laughs> um, and I honestly, you know, when it comes to feeling malaise or possibly like feeling like you're slipping into depression. I think it's, it's, it is good to just get your feelings out of your body. Like I've said, talk to your friends and family. It can be draining or at least you may think that it's draining to even like have to pull all those emotions out of you. But I can say from experience that when I hear myself speak and explain to someone else how I'm feeling, it actually is really helpful. Even though I'm like, I don't want to bog this person down with my issues. I don't want to be a burden. Like, trust me, if if your friends are true friends and, and those family members love you, they'll listen. And it probably won't even take as long as you think. The other thing I think that's really important is to take some time for yourself. I have been actually crafting a lot more because it was easier for me to feel more accomplished before I had to stay at home all the time. You know, I definitely have told myself more, you know, Imani, you just need to like chill out, like have compassion for yourself. Like it's hard for everybody. Nobody likes this. I haven't met one person who's been like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. The one thing I really want for all of the listeners out there to really just sit with and digest and think over is that if, listen, if you're, if you're feeling tired, that's fine. If you're feeling like you want to give up, that's fine. If you're feeling like you want to like toss your kid's computer into the wall because you hate this distance learning, like it's okay, right? We're dealing with a lot right now. And even though we have more time on our hands, I think that we also spend more time than we did before worrying and grieving our former lives and the fact that we didn't have any control over this. So we're all dealing with a lot right now and it's going to tax you physically and mentally. So you know what? I'm going to let you say it, Cam. If you're tired, then go take a nap. That's right. Okay. <laughs> that made me so happy right there. That might be my happy place. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I think grief is something people have had a hard time with, and I'm glad we're talking about it today. We're going to switch gears, though, and talk about a horse, a talking horse with depression, like for real, on pop culture diagnosis after the break. Today on Pop Culture Diagnosis, we're going to be talking about Netflix's BoJack Horseman. Oh shit, you gotta drive. Sober up, buddy. Here we go. Sober now. Sober now. Come on, you drunk piece of shit. Be less drunk. Okay. So my son actually told me to watch this show because he knows I'm a psychiatrist and he was like, yeah, you know, Bojack Horseman, the character on the show, he has like depression and he's battled addiction. And I was like, okay, I mean, obviously I'm always down for a show that has to do with like mental health and mental illness. So me and Cam watched it. Yes. So for anyone who hasn't watched yet, it's a show about a washed up actor, Bojack Horseman, who's a talking horse. And Bojack's dealing with alcoholism, drug addiction, depression. His mother's, you know, die has Alzheimer's. It's really uh, sad. It's dark. Yeah, it is dark. It's a dark yeah. humor. And if you like that, cool. For me, I, it wasn't really, you know, it's not my jam. It's not my bag. Maybe for those past jam. six days, it's you know fits right on in, slides right on in. But normally, no. It's I like a little happier Care Bear stare in my life, but um, I'll take uh, you know it is what it is. You brought it back with Care Bear stare. That got me high. Mm-hmm. Like hold up, like who's tripping? You know what? Don't let me stick my stomach out at you. <laughs> I, I got rainbow a lot. Your I got whole a, life. I got a lot right now. But back to BoJack Horseman. Um, I I I think we should talk about the episode in particular we watched called. Piece of shit? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called. It was called piece of shit, and I was like, okay, well, that's very forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we should we should say that you know th- there's a mix of humans and animals, right? Mm-hmm. There's a um, there's a, a talking dog. I really actually liked him, Mister Peanut. He Butter. was my favorite. Actually. Oh my god! And I thought, I thought he, he was, was so my favorite fun. character because he just threw random song lyrics in his everyday. <laughs> speech and i'm like i am mr peanut butter mm-hmm. <laughs> and um that that made me like him even though you know he's bojack's rival right right there's there's a lot of puns um in the episode or really in the series and like for example there's actual critics in the sorry there's actual crickets in the audience when bojack's doing stand up which i thought was like really really <laughs> Really cute and really hilarious. So there's this episode that we watched, Piece of Shit. It's in season four. And it opens with this monologue from Bojack that's just all of his negative thoughts all at once. Stupid piece of shit. You're a real stupid piece of shit. But I know I'm a piece of shit. That at least makes me better than all the pieces of shit who don't know they're pieces of shit. Or is it worse? Breakfast. Oh, I don't deserve breakfast. Shut up. Don't feel sorry for yourself. What does that do? Get breakfast, you stupid fat ass. These are cookies. This is not breakfast. You are eating cookies. Stop it. Stop eating cookies and go make yourself breakfast. Stop it. Don't eat one more cookie. Put that cookie down. Do not eat that cookie. I can't believe you ate that cookie. Did you at um, one point, were you like, I've said this to myself. Did you ever feel that or no? It kind, Yes. And it really kind of, it kind of irritated me because now that I'm not in that place, like mm. I was, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, if this is what I was doing, this is really whack. Like, I don't like this, but I, I did definitely connect with the fact that he had this like running commentary in his mind of him just belittling and berating himself. And even though it's not something that i really have talked about with other people, that's, I, I can very much vouch for that. I, I guess I had never, it was never that bad of what I said to myself. Do you know what I mean? Maybe the yeah, part yeah. where it's like, don't eat cookies for breakfast. Don't eat this one more cookie. Like, oh, you piece of shit. You ate this cookie. I mean, maybe that was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But I never like was that mean to myself. But yeah. I'm sure in my own way, I think the body like hears what you say to yourself. I mean, I do think it resonates whether you're thinking good or bad thoughts about yourself. So I I think that that's something that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't talk to ourselves that way. But, you know, that didn't stop Bojack. So there you go. Oh, no. He, I mean, it was, it was, it was interesting because. It was harsh. 
it was harsh. And he would say these th- terrible things to himself. And then, you know, cut to the next scene. He's like completely drunk. And it's six hours later. I was like, oh, OK. I mean, this is it was I mean, this this episode, this series is a lot. Um, there's also there's a scene in the same episode when Bojack goes to visit his mom who has Alzheimer's and he throws her little baby doll away and you can hear his his like negative thoughts, his his inner thoughts like egging him on and then he's Im- immediately starts to beat himself up for it. Like I can't totally relate with that. I don't, I, I haven't ever thrown anyone's little doll away. <laughs> Definitely not my mom's. Um, but there have been times when I've had patients and they might have come in for, let's say, bipolar disorder or depression to the hospital. And they are getting better from a symptom standpoint, like they're able to sleep. They're able to, you know, speak with a regular rate and, and, and tone. They're not speaking really fast and, and, da, 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 and they're not experiencing anxiety, stuff like that. But they will do things that are just like inexcusable, like, OK, you're getting better no, you cannot steal food off of this other patient's like tray. Like that's rude and you can't do that. I do think that it is important, especially for me as a clinician, to be able to make the distinction between, okay, you have a mental illness, but at the same time, like there are things about you and your behavior that you are in control of. And and that's something that you need to work on, right? So are you having acute symptoms? No, but- to the patient, it's like you, you do end up doing things that you, you do really don't think all the way through and you end up sabotaging yourself. And like, even though you know that alcohol is going to make your anxiety feel better and you'll be able to sleep a little bit better, like you, I'm like, you really have to start to now analyze. Like, like I would tell them the, this is now the hard part. Like you're stable, your medications are good. Now you're going to have to really get into the root of who you are as a person. And that can really scare a lot of people. And that may, you know, like in Bojack Horseman's case, that, that I, I'm definitely aware that that is what led him to, oh, I have to go to the store for milk because we're going to be making breakfast. And then instead he does this really selfish act of like, oh, I'm just going to have a drink. And then six hours later, he's like drunk off his ass. Like there still is, it can be accountability even with people who do have mental illness and, and, and are having symptoms. So it's, it's something that I like to stress to my patients. Like basically, I mean, this is going to sound terrible, but it's like, you know, are you crazy, but you're not that crazy. Like you are an adult and you know what the difference between right and wrong. And you're going to have to work on really doing that for yourself. I from told you on. that bitch was crazy. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I did really, I, I did understand where this character was coming from. And I definitely... Um, I definitely thought about, okay, like, as one of the writers on this show, like, is Bojack Horseman kind of a conglomerate of, like, the writers for this show or, like, the creators for this show? Because I think that they really got depression right, and I they got this type of depression right. So You think it's an honest portrayal? I think it's an honest portrayal of depression with people who also have what are called comorbid disorders. So he has issues with alcoholism. He has issues with depression. And when you try to self-medicate, right, you know what you're doing is wrong, but you don't stop because it actually does make you feel better. So it's like, oh, okay, like, oh, I'm going to, like, there was a scene where Bojack left the house. He was supposed to get something for, like, something from the grocery store or something. Milk. Milk. And then he ends up, like, six hours later, you see him in the bar, like, they cut to, like, him being in the bar completely, like, smashed. And... I was like, okay, you know what? Like this, that is another side of depression. There's definitely a side of depression where the person is like, oh, I'm so sad. And, you know, I don't want to leave the house. But Bojack actually, I don't know if I want to call him a functional depressive. I think he's functional because he drinks. But really, I mean, I'm like, we need to get Bojack to like, you know, like an inpatient unit. Like, (laughs) like I just wanted to tune him up. So I think they did, I think they were honest about depression I think that when it comes to this type of depression where it's really his negative thoughts are really at the forefront, I think it did get that right. 
I think, I wonder, even in his heyday, was he ever a happy person? He, to me, I'm guessing that he was probably always negative and that yeah. now the depression and the alcoholism has made that negativity even worse. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wonder, do you think that it helps that BoJack is a horse? Do you think it makes it easier for people to relate? I don't know. I mean, because I saw a scene, I don't think it was in this episode, but I saw like a commercial or something for it. And I was like, okay, so this horseman is in bed, like he's in bed with a cartoon, obviously, but a cartoon like human, like a woman. Woman, yeah. I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't even, I was like, okay, so this show, so we're doing bestiality. No, I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, does it make it? Do I think that it's easier for people to relate that he's a horse? I don't. I don't. I don't don't think so. But everybody, if you think about it, everyone has an animal that they are kind of emulating. I Mm -hmm. I would think. I mean, what would yours be? I don't know. Mine, I think, would be a walrus. I'm not quite sure. But if I had to, I mean, I'm hoping it's an eagle, um, America, but it's probably more like a sloth or a walrus. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. For a Bojack, it's a horse. I mean, I don't know. Right. But I would say, you know, if it, it maybe it's helpful to people who, you know, might be younger. I don't mean young, like, you know, like 13. I mean, like young, like, you know, late teens, early twenties, it might be easier for people to relate because it is a cartoon. And when we think of cartoons, a lot of times we think about like happy things and it's like, oh, look at this horse. And then it's like, oh, this is really, you know, kind of off the wall. And then it's like, oh, maybe I can relate to a lot of what Bojack is dealing with because it kind of, it kind of draws you in in a very unassuming way. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this, I'm like, this, this series is dark. This show is hella dark. Yeah. I think that using animals does make it a little less triggering for people who might be dealing with depression or alcoholism or any other type of mental illness. Um, But I, I do think that it's, I do think that when we have, when we do watch shows like this, it can be, it can be kind of triggering. I mean, it was a little triggering for me, I guess. Um, it was hard to watch. I will admit that during certain points, because I was like, this shit just feels way too real to me. Like, but, and I think that, and that's a good thing, but is it something that I would honestly, you know, want to watch like all of the, you know, all of the, uh, seasons? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't You're think so. You're not binge watching this one? No, no. So if you gave it, if you had to give it a number between one and 10, what would you give it? You're always so nice. So I'm sure you're going to be like, I give it a nine. No, no. This is what I would say. I would say that for as far as depicting depression, I think BoJack Horseman, I think they did like a, I'll give him a seven out of 10, but it was hard for me to watch. So I want to give them like a higher number, but just just because of my own experiences and my own issues, it was just kind of hard to watch for me. So, you know, I haven't finished watching the show, um, but I am interested to see how Bojack deals with his issues. But maybe I have to wait until after like once we return to the the new normal. Say it again. New normal. No. <laughs> so <laughs> it's time to find our happy place. I will say definitely that this past week, my happy place has been outside. And that sounds kind of weird, but not like hiking and like working out and doing all that. But actually me and my son have like a standing date on Sundays where we'll go like to downtown LA and we'll go to Grand Central Market and we'll like, you know, just get really good food. And, you know, it's it's kind of like an open area. So I don't feel confined like I would probably feel if I were in a restaurant and I feel like it's, it's just more safe that way. Um, but yeah, I've just been kinds of like, I think my happy place has really kind of been like walking around with my son, but also like I, I will freely admit I gained a little bit of weight because I'm... You know, like I'm bored and I like food and food is good right now. <laughs> food is really good right now. And I just want to like eat everything. Like, honestly, I ate fettuccine Alfredo last week. That's when I knew I was like, okay, Imani, you're really tripping. It was so good. And this is coming from somebody who shouldn't be eating it because I'm lactose intolerant. So I just kind of had to take my lactate, you know, hope for the best. And, you know, just just try to like. Was your poopy you know, soupy? 
I mean, it, yeah, it was soupy. It was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely soupy. But, you know, I think that outside of us being able to spend more time with my son, I really do like the fact that we kind of have something that is scheduled, something that's structured. And so even if it's like, yeah, let's just drive downtown. There's no traffic, walk around, look at stuff, eat. Like that's kind of something that it's like a new, um, what am I trying to say? Normal. It's like a new, tra- yes, no. <laughs> see, see how you act? No, it's like a new tradition like I like that when would, yeah it's like a new tradition yeah, like, like that. one of the things that I've really been happy about as far as you know LA is even though some traffic has come back it's still if you go at certain times it's like the freeway is like dead so I really I really like that so that's pretty much been my happy place for the, for this past week Cam what did you do to get to your happy place listen this week <laughs> it was really hard to find a happy place from my uh Lily's doctor I need Lil, I'm going to give you a quick just let me just bullet point this real quick Lily needed shots we went there and she's like deathly afraid of shots and it, it was a mistake she didn't they just didn't send me the right paperwork my dog ran away my movers were scammers my husband's van broke down on the way moving we were stuck in Palmdale my dog's got in a fight in the hotel room my husband needs a new transmission we the movers couldn't fit everything in the van we had to get another U-Haul the U-Haul wouldn't go more than 20 miles an hour Oh my it God. just, it almost doesn't stop to the point where my cousin told my husband off on Facebook because we didn't formally say goodbye and said all these nasty things. So that's extra. I thought to myself, oh, listen, everything's been extra. Like I told you, it's Cameron's law, not Murphy's law right now. And I can't wait to turn the corner where it's like smooth sailing. When is it smooth sailing? So where's my happy place? You want to know where it is? Where is I it? I had to dig deep on this one. Okay. It was the massage chair at the motherfucking car wash. Bitch. There. You know what? Let me tell you something. Is. Those are good. Listen, that's all I got. That's all I got for you. I couldn't let our listeners down. I knew I had to come up with some place because I wasn't going to be like, I got nothing. Even though right. I feel like I got nothing. That was the best I can do. So guess what? Guess where I'm going next week? The massage chair at the motherfucking car wash. I'm bitch. Listen. Oh, my God. Those. It's so funny that there are things now that like I took for granted. Like, oh, look at that raggedy chair at the car wash. And now that's the only massage like we can get. <laughs> I know. That's the only like that's the only time somebody who we don't know is is like touching our body. Like I'm like, oh, thank you, chair. Like you really worked that out. <laughs> Let's get into my state of mind for this week. I want to leave you with a little bit of inspiration for the coming week. So as we talked extensively about on the show, grief is something that we're all going through right now. It's touched everyone. So whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one who may have passed away due to COVID, or maybe you're grieving the fact that all of our lives are completely different, it's it's really hard out here right now. It's really hard out here for a pimp right now, but it's really hard out here right now. The one thing that I am very steadfast in believing is that when when the chips are down, when we're really just not in the best place, we do have a tendency to be able to fix our situations ourselves. Meaning that when this pandemic first happened and we were told like, okay, we got to shut down the whole city for two weeks, we still managed to work it out. We still managed to, you know what? I got to get food. I got to get this. And it's that resiliency that I've really been thinking about more and more. And it's that resiliency that's really making me more hopeful for the future. So we have to find a way to get to our new normal And I think the best way to do that is, once again, stop beating yourself up. Don't berate yourself. We're all going through something incredibly new and incredibly frightening and incredibly confusing. So I would just want to just let everyone know that it's okay. This, This shit is hard. It's hard as hell. But if you're able to keep a calm head about you, you'll be able to figure out your way through all of this COVID muck. And if you need some help because you can't do it by yourself, ask for help. Look for help. I'm telling you, telemedicine has made psychiatry so awesome during this time because now we can reach people in areas who wouldn't have been able to have physically gone to see a psychiatrist or a a mental health clinician. So we're going to work this out. But first, I need for everyone to take a deep breath. I need for everyone to stop beating themselves up. And I just need for you guys to just let the positivity, the gratitude 
flow over you and keep that in mind and don't be so stuck on, oh my God, I don't know what's happening next because none of us know what's happening next, but we're all going to get through it. This is our last episode for season one. So I hope that you guys have learned a lot listening to the show so far. And I hope that you all have been able to really find some true gems and takeaways to implement into your daily life. We'll be back with season two in a few weeks. To get the latest news about me or Imani State of Mind, follow me on the gram at dr.imani or on Twitter at dr underscore Imani. Subscribe to Imani State of Mind on Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. That way, when a new episode drops, it automatically downloads straight to your phone. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review us. We love reading the comments, and your feedback helps the show, so keep them coming. Imani State of Mind is produced by T-Square, Jackie Sojiko, and Cameron Long. Our associate producers are Tribble and Kristen Torres. Our chief content officer is Chris Bannon. Our sound engineer is Brendan Burns, and the music is provided by Kyle Murdoch. Imani State of Mind is a production of More Sauce from Stitcher. More Sauce. We did it. Oh, my God. This is great. Woohoo! We've come so far. Like, this is so wild. Yay.